This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Audible. Audible is a leading provider of premium digital, spoken, audio information, and entertainment on the internet. To learn more and to get your first audiobook for free, please visit audible.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Oh, shucky darn and slap the chicken. Wait, 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 I know that. Is that Garfield? Whoa, good grab. Have we talked about that before? No. You just pulled shucky darn and slap the chickens right out of the back of your head somewhere? How did I do that? How did I do that? That's amazing. That's some sorcery. (laughs) I got to tell you, I kind of just freaked myself out. That is freaky. Yeah, that's a that's a deep cut. That's the deepest cut. Um, I'm, having you... a pre- I'm having a pretty good morning, but just to give you some context here, yeah, yeah. Um, I just realized that uh, a poet I like a lot. Yesterday would have been his hundredth birthday. I was pretty sure, and I went to Google to do a quick math calculation and just to check myself. I put in 2017 minus 1917 just to check my math, <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought I almost hit enter, uh-huh. uh, and then I went, you know what? You can do that in your head, buddy. And yeah, you I almost remember. hit enter, and then Google would know that about you forever. <laughs> Google, Google would be like, hmm, when he was the war of 1812? <laughs> People who ask this question <laughs> also, also ask. Shucky darn and slop the chickens. Shucky darn and slop the chickens. I'm trying to remember, it, it, was it John? Who said that? John say that? That's right. Wow. Oh, yes, he did. Or was it Odie? No, it was John. That was before Odie talked. I've tried to get my daughter into Garfield, and it hasn't quite taken. My daughter loves it. Oh man, you got the, you got you keep it in your bathroom, right? Don't you have a Garfield? I do. In your I bathroom? got all the old Garfield. She, she loves it. She doesn't understand a word of it. Yeah, but she just is just like read me these Garfields. Mm. I, and then she learned to read, and I was like, read them yourself. Yeah, I'm <laughs> done with this. I already <laughs> read them. Yeah, I read them a lot. Oh uh, my like goodness, Chucky darn and slop the chickens. John goes back to visit the farm. Oh, right. Right? And he's talking to his his weird brother. <laughs> Remember John's weird brother? I don't. I don't remember. I got to go look Bald, this up. Balding guy with the with the wearing uh, overalls. Sucky darn and slump. I think and I think I, I think it actually might have been Garfield leaning on a fence. <laughs> leaning on a fence. They're talking about life on the farm. Hi dad. Welcome home city boy. Hi, Mom. And Mom brings out a turkey and says, eat, 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 eat. And Garfield's thinking, well, shucky darn and slap the chickens. I think I'm going to like it here. <laughs> That's an old one. Shucky darn it's it's old Garfield. Do you, do, you, uh, do you have a date on that? Let me see if I can zoom in. Uh, I can't. Let me see. It looks like it's probably, uh, is it 1980? I can't tell. Yep. But, you know, remember when every when he was more kind of bulbous? It's before uh, Jim Davis had streamlined Garfield. Yeah. It's not streamlined. Mm-hmm. He's uh, he. That's what back. That's when back. Uh, back when uh, Garfield was a prince, mm. a pality. <laughs> Am I right? Oh. He's a prince, pality. Prince. Uh, you, know, you lost me on that one. I don't know. Is that's that another like, one. Your mom is so. Your mom is so fat. She's a prince, pality. Oh, 
I, she sits around the house. Right, 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 right. Oh, I my just, goodness. That, that, that sounds like a terrible, terrible weight problem. That must be really debilitating. <laughs> I just thought of that today. I was coming down the stairs, and I was like, that guy's a principality. Oh. And I just, oh, oh. I laughed. And then immediately I found a way to work it in. You sure did. I think we've reached peak dad joke. <laughs> so the only, the only no, 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 that's street talk. That's more some... than fifty percent of the dad jokes that can be mined. All the easy stuff we've already gotten. From now on, it's it's going to be dad jokes all the way down. I feel that is some real play in the dozen stuff. That's some like street corner doo wop. Oh, <laughs> but uh, for but the it... longest time. <laughs> <laughs> I had the same image. I had the same image when I said Street Corner Duo. Every time I hear that song, I, in my head, I imagine this multiplicity. I, I don't. I don't even remember the original uh, video for longest time. But in my head, it's some like early CGI of Billy jo- five Billy Joel's in blackface. That's how I like to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're all wearing pompadours and uh Oh, and a mint called Sensen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the Italian street culture. Italian street duo. Oh culture. yeah, more like you get your Frankie Valley type situation. Frankie Valley's, yeah. Except, you're Frankie's uh, Valley. <laughs> you're Frankie's you're, you're Frankie's Valley. <laughs> it's like attorney's general. I um what was I gonna so say? The only about other that? person the oh, only yeah. other person that's ever because I've been saying Slucky, Sharky Darn and Slob Chicken since 1980. Okay. That comic cracked me, that particular comic cracked me up so hard. It's, very, it's, a very, it's very compressed. They, if you go, I just sent it to you in the Skype. If you go and look at it, it is very, very compressed humor. They, he jams a lot of funny into three panels. He does. Here comes mom. She's already, she's got a turkey in her hand. Yep. And Garfield is excited. That's all moms do, right? Yeah. And uh, and then so Shucky Darn and Slap the Chickens, right? And I got it. I got all the levels of humor of it. And I just la- I rolled. I rolled on the floor. Tears streaming down my face. Shucky Darn and Slap the Chickens. I'm going to like it here. And so it immediately entered into my, uh, my lexicon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I never stopped saying it. I've said it for, <laughs> for what now is 40 years. And there's only one other time that I said, Shucky Darn Slap the Chickens, and somebody went, whoa, is that Garfield? And I married her. <laughs> and it was Sean Nelson. And oh, I did... Sean Nelson. Yeah, there it is. So you and he, I mean, there's a reason that we're all together. I know. We deserve each other. No, we're not. But Oh, yeah. my God. Shucky Darn. Yep. Um, and now, now the secret's out. Now we've given it, we've given it to everybody. Go and, and spread now, it. This is going to yeah. go viral, as they say, John. There it is. I was I was online last night, and I don't know why. Yeah, as as you do. And I was uh, looking at vintage one piece uh, ski suits. And this <laughs> may surprise. <laughs> it's like a zip up jumpsuit. Yeah, that's right. That sounds that's like right. a, like a Wes Anderson kind of outfit. Uh, well, so surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, I considered that era of ski wear to be the most hideous, right? Mm. But but of course, since. Uh, since the millenniums are all about norm core and dad core and plain core and uh, and core core, <laughs> that was a dad joke. That was that wasn't even deep. Um, <clears throat> the worst era of ski wear is now like very fashionable among certain <clears throat> certain segment of the population, and so all these terrible neon pink purple ski suits are all like. Fetching top dollar, fetching mm. top dollar, Ugh. and I'm just picturing all these all these young people 
who are wearing these like multicolored ski suits and kind of like it, we, we never we saw we saw Blade Runner and we were like oh my god it's how the future is going to be like wow it's so intense but what we didn't anticipate is that it wasn't going to be just dirty and decaying it was also going to be dirty decaying and totally gaudy like everything's going to have gold spray paint on it and people are going to be wearing neon ski suits that's the thing that we didn't predict uh, there's. Uh, I'm looking here at uh, frankyak.com. I'm remembering a, a moment from The Simpsons. It's from the uh, star-studded uh, Lollapalooza episode where Homer becomes the guy who gets shot in the stomach by a cannon at Lollapalooza and becomes kind of a hipster sensation. Mm. And there's a shot of these two guys in the audience. One guy's shirtless, wearing some kind of like uh, hippie necklace with a nose ring and his gla- or his. Uh, Baseball cap on sideways. The other guy's hair shaved on the sides. One kid, one kid said, "Oh, here comes that cannonball guy. He's cool." And the other kid goes, "Are you being sarcastic, dude?" And he says, "I can't even tell anymore." <laughs> there it is. That's it. Hey, I got an ironic hat. Yay! Oh, what a blight! What a blight! And see, this yeah, is the problem. This is why we have so much to learn from The Simpsons. I don't think people can even tell if they're being ironic anymore. No, they don't know. They don't know. We don't know. Mm-mm. We don't know. Is he a great man? Is he a great is man? He... Can you can't land on a fraction? Yeah, it's like rain on your wedding day. <laughs> I'm not. I, I I'm a small man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the um, thing is, he's in a cage. He can't get away, no, right? No. Isn't that that situation? Dennis Hopper's explaining the great yeah. man to him, and he, isn't he in a, like a tiger cage? Yeah, he's in. A, well, yeah, he's in a tiger cage. Not Dennis <laughs> Hopper. No, Dennis Hopper, man. He's outside. He's the photographer. Yeah. He's got all the cameras. Yeah, yeah, mm. he, that's right. He's got he's got all the cameras, and um, he's got a uh, he's he's. The, he drank the Kool Aid. Mm, you know what I mean. That's you right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I know uh, what you he drank mean. the. Yeah, he dropped the he drank the Kool Aid, and that's where that comes from. Kurtz, no. Kurtz is a charismatic leader. Now, here's the thing you learn from Dungeons and Dragons. This is why I think all my kids should be taught Dungeons and Dragons. You learn about the idea of uh, you got these qualities, right? You got you got strength, uh, you got uh, wisdom. Wisdom is differentiated from intelligence, right? And uh, right. uh, and that's differentiated from charisma. Now, charisma. It can mean, like, you need to be charisma-ish enough if you're going to be like a monk. you got to be a little handsome, right? Charisma is ultimately not about how good-looking you are, although that factors into it. It has more to do with how likely people are to follow your lead and trust you because mm-hmm. reasons. Mm-hmm. I think Colonel Kurtz, I'd like to see what his uh, character, his player character sheet looks like. I can, mm-hmm. I, I'd, I'd roll a Kurtz. <laughs> What do you think he'd be? Would he be? You no, know, you know what? I bet he'd be a fighter magic user. Uh, let's see. I think it's. I think he's like a. I think he would be like a paladin mage. Like a like an anti paladin. Uh, and yeah, right. Anti-paladin. Now, can you be a paladin? And uh, I'm trying to remember because you get you don't, don't you cause paladin's a baller role because you're definitely mm-hmm. a fighter. Mm-hmm. You got to be. If memory serves, you have to be lawful good. Don't you Is get some right? clarity? Oh yeah, and anti paladin I think has to be chaotic evil. Uh, yeah, you gotta be lawful good. Oh, I see. You uh, what is it? Let's see. No, uh, no meat on Fridays. So the thing about a mage, though, is that it can be, you're not necessarily magic. You can just be sage. Well, and again, now in the classes, this is, this is back back in old school now. I have not kept up with the uh, the trades on this. But if memory serves, you have a distinction between, and we've talked about this, distinction between a magic user and an illusionist. 
Those are different character classes, and I don't sure. remember what the difference is, although I bet it's a little bit like uh, Penn & Teller versus David Copperfield. Hmm. Well, some uh, magic user is actually using real magic, whereas a illusionist is just mm. making you think. Well, there it is. That's that's all I need yeah. to know. I there's so much to go on here. Oh my god! Did you know? So Dennis Hopper's rant in. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Yeah. Dennis Hopper's rant in Apocalypse Now. You know, it's another one of our great film uh, roles, great film quotes. Yeah, you're thinking to yourself, wow, this guy's really good. He's really inhabiting this character. He's quite, he really- an, quite, an, quite an actor. <laughs> and then you learn more. Yeah. <laughs> that basically, when they weren't shooting, it was Dennis Hopper that had to be kept in a tiger cage. <laughs> well, and, and so, so, but there's, there's, a key, there's a key thing about that, because I looked this quote up the other day, uh, you know, the, his long rant there. Yeah. And a lot of it is just what you a lot of it is just what you remember, right? Like, hey man, you don't talk to the colonel, you listen to him, man, that type of thing. Yeah. Right? You know, and I'm trying and, to look it up right a, now. There's a great there's a great one right there in the middle where he says, uh you know, you'll say to I've got it now. You uh you'll say hello to him and he'll uh just walk right by you. He won't even notice you and then suddenly he'll grab you and he'll throw you in a corner and he'll say, "Do you know that if is the middle word in life?" Right. If you can keep your head about you when when all around you they're losing yours, you know, like the blah, 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 blah. But then right at the end, Uh right after, I'm a little man, I'm a little man, he's he's a great man. I should have been a pair of ragged claws scuttling across floors of silent seas. That's proof rock. That's the last thing he says as he... As As he's randomly accessing information in his head, he pulls out some proof rock. Isn't that proof rock? Yeah, that's what that is, right? I had never, I had never <laughs> heard it before. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like in the air. I just never heard it. I've just like I, I know that quote. I know that whole yeah. quote pretty well. But like, never, never heard the the like random T. S. Eliot like plopping out of his. Oh, it just sounds his, like so going good. bananas. Yeah. yeah. So one through nine, no maybes, no supposes, no fractions. You can't travel in space. You can't go out into space. You know, without like you know a, with fractions. What are you going to land on? One, one quarter, three eighths. What, what are you going to do when you get from here to Venus or something? That's that's dialectic physics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so help me out. Did he? How much of that was written, and how much of that did he just? Come up, Lord knows, Lord knows. I oh mean, he's absolutely God. not in character, as we learn. He's absolutely wasn't he like pretty? He was pretty like at that. He that was very much into his acid casualty phase, right? Yeah, and and I uh, I feel like somebody somebody along the line uh, actually took him to Vietnam, told him the war was still happening, you know, like gave him some cameras and told him he was a photojournalist. Like that's how he that's how he prepared for that role. Uh, he thought it was he thought it, he thought it was all happening. He also says here I might be getting my quotes wrong. Says here when he's babbling about the religious fervor of Kurtz, he babbles out portions of the poem "If" by Rudyard Kipling. Hmm. I, I might be getting this wrong. Is that the "If" is the middle word in life? I didn't realize. <clears throat> So there's Kipling. layers to this, John. We got to return to this movie. Oh, here we go. The poem quoted the line about a pair of ragged claws. Love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Somebody needs to get into this IMDb and vet these things. We need extreme yeah. vetting of these yep. things because I'm I'm on a very popular American podcast, and uh, I do not want to be spreading misinformation. No, 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 no. no. And I, IMDb, who boy, I don't want to go down that. I don't want to go down that wormhole. Oh my goodness, substance abuse. I don't abuse want to scatter. Was, no. Uh, Substance abuse like was a pair of ramp- claws across the- rampant across the cast and crew. Dennis Hopper got a teenage Lawrence Fishburne addicted to heroin. 
Whoa. Jiminy Christmas. Somebody needs John, we need extreme vetting on this page. I'm gonna I'm gonna call upon Roderick Nation. I want all you people to go out there. I want you to vet these quotes. Yeah. Find find me some detailed evidence that Lawrence Fishburne got addicted to heroin at the hand of Dennis Hopper during the filming of Apocalypse Now. Some of this is coming back to me now. Now I'm remembering some of the things I think I remember or learned definitely comes from uh, his wife's documentary. Uh, well, well, you're, talking about, you're talking about Apocalypse, uh, the other the other movie. Uh, I think it's called, it might be called Heart of Darkness. The, the one where... Uh, it's a documentary where, of the making where you see everybody just losing their... Uh, all the shit that goes wrong and basically everybody, including Coppola, like losing their mind while making this right. movie. But the, the Sheen the is the like in the hotel the, room, co- drunk, oh, crying, yeah, like waving that was real. a gun around. That was apparently real. And also, like, they had rented... This is all very well known, but... You know, they had these incredibly complicated, blocked scenes where there's going to be all these explosions. And they basically rented helicopters from, I want to say, the Philippine Army. I think it was the Thai, the Thai, Thai uh, Army. Right, yeah. who, like, came in with their own dudes and, like, just, like, they had to go, I don't know, get a donut or something. They just took off in the middle of, of shooting. and they had Oh, to, like, no, I think there was some kind of, like, rebel incursion in northern Thailand. And they were like, oh, got to go fight a war for a second. Oh, man, they, they're <laughs> still in Saigon. Now, see, now, now, I listened the other night, much to my wife's frustration, I think. I talked to the lady in, a, in the tube, and the first thing I said was, play Goodnight Saigon mm-hmm. by Billy Joel. Alexa. Don't do that. Please don't do that. The next Alexa. Thing I said was, you stop that. I'm going to, uh, you know I don't like editing things. And then the other <laughs> one was asking to play uh, the song Allentown. I'm here to tell you, I think those are both really good songs. Allentown's amazing. Allentown's the first of all the greatest Billy Joel song. It's and it's so tuneful. It's and everything about it, the production is great. Bum, it's like bum, it's his bum, it's bum, his peak. Bum. It's truly his peak. Peak Joel. Uh, but nothing else is any good. Oh, you include Night Saigon in that? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, because that it's a, is it's a exactly, little bit cute. It's that's his treacle. That's his like. What does he have to write about Saigon? He's got nothing. What is the Go. term? What is the? There's a Greek term for this. Maybe it's sucking. But there's this. There's a term for this. And it's, is it? It's not antithesis. Is it antithesis? But it's, there's this term in in Greek rhetoric for like the, 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 this thing, uh, da, 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 that thing. I'm going to call it antithesis or thesis antithesis. Hmm. So, but there's there's so much of this. Oh God, we came in spastic like tameless horses. We left in plastic as numbered corses, corpses. Hmm. Little on the nose, but hmm. <clears throat> he does this. Remember Charlie. Remember Baker. They left their childhood on every acre. You know, this is a little on the nose. It's a little sorry. Yeah, <laughs> pretty definitely deeply on the nose. We held the coastline. They held the highlands, and they were sharp, as no. sharp as knives, knives, knives. No, no, it's terrible. It's literally terrible. But, do you do you like the uh, do you like that though? They ruled the night, night, night. <laughs> what did they like, go on it? It's like the uh, when you're in the studio <clears throat> for the first time, and you're and you realize that a pan knob can make the sound go from left to right. Hey, look like, at me, I'm Let's Jimmy do Hendrix. that on every tune. Look at me, I'm Max as bold as love. <laughs> Wow. wow! And you, you can just imagine rows of guys, <clears throat> like wearing wearing their hats with pins on them, with their prosthetic arms, going really. <laughs> they counted the rotors and waited for us to arrive. And we all go down together. So really, okay. So no good night, Saigon for you. No. Allentown is the one that you will allow. All in Allentown is a tremendous song. It's a tremendous song. He gets. He has all that. He gets to do all that, like <clears throat> super literal, like. Nail on the heading yeah. that he loves to do. 
He gets to lay out his whole like America used to be great, right. and now you know we've got it. Like he's he's doing his whole like Chevy ad thing that everybody was doing. Then. <laughs> you know my right? beef with my beef with Allentown, and I feel like this could have been fixed pretty easily. I, I know I've told you this before, but the line that still just takes me totally out of the song because I'm I'm a dick. So the graduations hang on the wall. Mm-hmm. No, that's not a graduation. That's a diploma. Yeah. If it were a graduation, that would be a bunch of seventeen and eighteen year old kids. Well, I, I'll I'll even let him. I'll let, him have, let him have it because it? you know what? Because it, maybe it's dialect. They never. You know it's I mean? a dialectic fix. They never taught us what was real: iron and coal and chromium steel. And we're waiting here in Allentown. Yeah, maybe up there in the mountains of Pennsylvania, it's like it's like in the Sopranos they call spaghetti sauce gravy. Oh, sure. Maybe up there they call them graduation. Speaking of gravy. Because none of them have it, right? They're like, hey, this guy's even got graduations on the wall. <laughs> I, got, I got needled by a pal of mine yesterday who is going to be on the cruise, and he needled me about how much gravy he's going to have at the jammer. Is this uh, is he is he is this some kind of Lawrence Fishburne? Uh, is he getting you addicted to heroin? Is that what you mean, or is he <laughs> yeah, I'm chasing is, the dragon? I just can't get he, enough white gravy. Fucking Max Temkin, what an oh, asshole! Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go hang out with John Roderick and eat gravy. I was like, I hate you so much. <clears throat> Here's Max Temkin for you in a nutshell. <clears throat> yeah, here, let, let me hear. I'll do my Max Temkin impression. Okay, all right. I, I, really I hate look- cruises. I'm never going on another cruise. Ugh, I hate cruises. I'm Max Temkin. I like to look Blah. at my. I like to look at my phone. Blah. I don't even. Ugh, I don't even want to go on a cruise. He I says he's him. not taking Blah. the pledge. He's not taking the pledge. Well, you know, nobody takes the pledge. Nobody I mean, you can pledge. take the pledge. You know, it's like anyone can take a reservation, but yeah. you have to hold the reservation. That's really the important part. The thing about the pledge <clears throat> yeah. is that I'm sure that all the all the Joko tech dorks have been uh, <laughs> been working their ass off for a year to yeah. get really, really good internet, which has always been a problem on the cruise. Because the cruise ship is like, we don't need to get in and that. Everybody else on here is just going on there checking their Kino numbers. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> right. But now we got whole... You don't need to rec- record. Max is going to try and record an episode of our show from the oh, ship. No chance. No chance. No chance. <laughs> Not a chance. It's, Not. A, it's an experiment. Uh, yeah, I, know, I agree. Um, but they work but, hard. You get the, you know, the Pauls and Stormses, and they put a lot of work into that so that you can, you can check your Kino numbers. Yeah, they do, but you're, you know, we're going to be out in uh, B- BYE, so uh, there's no, like, there's not going to be a, you, yep. know, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. No. Uh, so the other day, the other day, speaking of this Billy Joel problem of the <laughs> nose, of the nose awning. Yeah. Uh, I was listening, I, I decided, wait a minute, what about the fix? I haven't listened to the fix in a while. Oh, I'm I am super interested to hear your thought on this. And I went and I listened to uh, the the incredible song "One Thing Leads to Another." That yeah, I mean that's how do you ever top that? Just an uh, just an, an awesome work all the way around. Even the music video, which is bad, is good. Is that where he's like running around in a hallway? Yeah, he's in like a tube. <clears throat> yeah, and he's he's got his you know his kind of suit is like falling off of him, and it's just like what? Are, and the guitar part is crazy. Psy and then Psy Kernan was that, his name. Is that Cy? Cy? That I remember. That that and slapping the chickens. That I can remember. Cyrus. Cy with a CY. So, so then I go down the list, right? And I Saved by I, Zero. I thought Saved by Zero was great. Uh, uh, Red Skies at Night mm-hmm. was not as good as I remember it. That one's a it little was, pleased with its Billy Joel style production, if memory serves. Mm-hmm. Red Skies at Night. Red Skies at Night. Red Skies at Night. Too much production. You can just hear it from the beginning. The I'm glad to hear you say it. I'm tired of being the only one who says that. I'm glad to hear you say that. But then here comes Stand or Fall. And I was like, 
You know, I've always wondered about this song, Stand or Fall. State your case tonight. State your beast tonight. State your beast. State your beast tonight. It's it's the Euro. Oh, it's state your peace tonight who yeah. is betting these things we need extreme peace with like like a peace symbol piece that can't yeah. be right yeah, yeah yeah so then i go on and i read the lyrics of stand or fall and it is billy joel level not very good oh, uh no. like uh berlin wall era cold war we're all gonna die in the apocalypse crying lyric. parents tell their children if you survive don't do as we did a son exclaims there'll be nothing to do her daughter says she'll be dead with you yeah. Foreign affairs are screwing us rotten. Oh, Line morale has hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Dying embers stand forgotten. Talks of peace were being trodden. <laughs> I mean, it's so bad. It's like it's like it's like sting. Well, oh, sting, this is sting level. Like sting sting got off a subway and some papers <laughs> fell out of his briefcase. And Cy was like I was walking along, he's like, What's this? Holy shit. Are these for anyone? <laughs> it's a hit song. And Sting was like, Oh man, I was working on something amazing. Oh, I he nicked it. me rhyming dictionary. You, you know, you know Sting you does use I remember one of the first interviews I ever read with Sting, they remarked on the fact that he had a copy of Lolita and a rhyming dictionary at hand all the time. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, for synchronicity, I, we you know what? We can't get into it. Synchronicity. We can't get into the synchronicity album because I think we have very differing opinions on that. What? Where think, do you think, stand I on? I think it's trash. You do not like the synchronicity album? No, no. I think it is... <laughs> I think it's ambitious... Uh, but very dated and not their best material by a long shot. I'm a, uh, I'm a, uh, you know, I like the big three. I like the big three in the middle. We don't often, I'm, I'm just, as you're saying this, I, I'm just realizing we do not often have a situation where you are saying a record is garbage and I am defending it. Okay. Well, it's usually I, the other way around, I, right? Okay, let me let me temper this a little bit. I have not sat down and listened to all of Synchronicity in a few years. I did listen to it a few years ago. My feeling at that time was this is better than I remember, but it, it is pretty pale in comparison to what they were doing with something like Every Little Thing She Does is Magic. But you... You didn't like it at the time, is that right? I liked Synchronicity 2. Is that the one, the really upbeat one? Synchronicity 2 is the scary one where they're, they're where the, the monster, it's about the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, then maybe it's, it's, it's the one breath one, you will know, Synchronicity. I like that one, I think. I, I just, you know what it is? It's a high bar. It's a high bar situation. It's like, you know, is Magical Mystery 2 a bad album? It is not a bad album. But for any variety of reasons, it's... It's. It was from a, a bad time for them. They were, huh. I think that was when that was. The, I don't want to say the beginning of the end, but huh. don't you think? I mean, like Magical Mystery Tour had some singles and some other stuff. It's got great stuff on it, but it doesn't. It's not an. It's not a great album. If you took, I'm going to say Magical Mystery Tour is not a good album. Well, I think like Yellow Submarine, which was just a bald marketing move. If you yeah. take the singles off of it, it's not a good album. No, it's like it's just you know George Martin jacking off on a fiddle. Mm. I'd listen to that. <laughs> I, you know, but 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 I'm just I'm 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 just very, it's very unusual it is, to it me. It is unusual. To be, I'm usually the positive one. Yeah, to be in a position where I'm like this album, which is basically all singles, and I have to be honest when I say Synchronicity is a great album, I have never listened to Synchronicity. Yeah, but <laughs> did you see the quote from? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but there was a no. great quote 
on somebody was quoting something on, there's a woman interviewed on NPR um, a woman interviewed on NPR uh, said she loved Trump's speech because it reminded her of the movie La La Land which she had not seen <laughs> And the remark from the woman retweeting it was, we have reached peak America. <laughs> well, as you know, I, I never have any compunction about uh, commenting on everything that I haven't seen or read. But Synchronicity's got like five singles, and a couple of them I really I, I, I liked it's in the time. It's got some I, good songs. Stand. It's got good songs on it. Yeah, But here, sure. this, uh, let me just quote the, the, the top line from the, the Wikipedia page. Yeah. Entry uh, under the t- title songs. Synchronicity 1 starts the album off with a sequencer line that repeats throughout the song. Its lyrics, which is like, okay, good first sentence. Its lyrics include a term from the second coming, Spiritus Mundi, literally Spirit of the World, which William but- Butler Yeats used to... Uh, refer to the collective unconscious, another of Jung's theories. Mm. Walking in Your Footsteps features lyrics containing uh, concerning the relation between extinct dinosaurs and humans, and is followed by the jazzy Oh My God. The song recycles some lyrics from two earlier police songs, Three O'Clock Shit, what? which was never recorded on an album, but was widely bootlegged from live performances. Uh, so it's just oh like right God. away, whoa, nope, nope, none of that, nope, I'm not having it. Ugh. Oh, yeah, Sting is the only person that can that that would like describe in an interview like how Jung is affecting his songwriting, right? It, can we can can we think of another songwriter in history who would say both Yeats and Jung, like in in a sen- within within one sentence in describing their own work? Is there someone else that I mean, even Bono? Because um, Bono doesn't. Colin, uh, Colin Malloy. Oh, ooh, hello. Whoop. Got a hat. I'm gonna have to edit that out. No, well, no, it's not a criticism. I could very much see him name checking. Yates. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Keats and Yates are on your side, but Wild is on mine. It's a dreaded mm. sunny day, so I'll meet you at the cemetery gates. <laughs> wow, he'll just he'll just do it right in a song. <laughs> he will. They say uh, thrice the sun's done salutation to the dawn. <laughs> there's a lot going on over here at my house right now because yeah. here's what happened. Yeah. <clears throat> You've been busy. Yes. You've been moving around. No, it's not me though. Oh. Yesterday a moving truck showed up across the street. Oh, they're coming. They've arrived? It, well, the moving truck showed up. No, they were they're Gary at all were still over there in their full flower. The moving truck pulled up, pulled up really close to the fence, such that it blocked the gate. And then the moving truck stayed there for two days, and I'd never seen that before. Right? Usually, a moving truck comes, they load it up, it drives no, away. No, the moving trucks are like a printing press. Like they're only making money when they're moving. Yeah, but this was just parked over there. Like, how do you get? It's a full moving truck. Like, how do you get that? It just yeah. sits there. At one point, I got in my truck. At one point, I, I, it was time for me to leave, and I could hear Gary out in the street. And I was like, I don't want to go out there. There's a moving truck. Gary's in the street. I don't want to deal with it. So I, I actually, this hardly ever happens, but I went out my back door and snuck around the perimeter and got in my truck, started it up. And then as I was, as I was pulling out and driving away, I could see Gary in my rearview mirror walking down the, kind of walking toward the truck, kind of like, hey! Whoa, John's truck! Ah, it's moving! Or whatever. I mean, it was like he was trying to maybe trying to communicate with me. Maybe he was just talking to my truck. <clears throat> but then uh but then yesterday 
I'm uh, I'm upstairs. I hear like some banging. I look out the window just in time for the moving truck to like drive away, and the gate is wide open, and the like front door of the house is wide open, and I'm standing there like, what just happened? And then three cars pull up like right in through the fence, like the end of Road Warrior. Oh, where, where you know the like. Finally, the the humongous and his gang have have access to the to the oil refinery. They're all like woohoo! And it's the Washington State Cougars Repossession League, the House Flippers. Oh, and right! Like they all pile out of their cars and they're standing there looking at the thing. And I waited for it to blow up. <laughs> Was that the name you've given them? <laughs> Washington State Cougars House Flippers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't have a name for them yet. I'm sure it's, they should get uh, satin jackets. <laughs> I'm sure, it's brandy wine or something. I don't know what. What do people go? No, people that go to Washington State University are all named like Brendan. So, um, <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Audible. You can learn more about Audible right now by visiting audible.com/supertrain. You guys know Audible. Audible is the place to go to find just all kinds of great audio content. Audible includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Audible is offering listeners of Roderick on the Line a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. You just go to audible.com slash supertrain, browse their amazing selection of audio programs. You download a title for free and start listening. It's really just that easy this week. I wanted to suggest a book that I think Roderick on the Line listeners might really love. In fact, you might already love it. I want to encourage you to check out a book called A Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy Toole, and it is read by Barrett Whitner, I'm going to say. Barrett Whitner. This is one of my favorite novels of all times, yes. It is the source of my weird Twitter handle, Hot Dogs Ladies. A Confederacy of Dunces is a hilarious and farcical story of Ignatius J. Riley a 30-year-old medievalist and malcontent of the modern who lives with his long-suffering mother in early 1960s New Orleans. The book is brimming with odd but very real characters. It's extremely funny, and frankly, I envy anyone who gets to read it or hear it for the first time. Lucky you. That is my suggestion, but remember, you get to pick your book when you go to audible.com slash supertrain. Hey, hey, here's what you get with your Audible membership. You're going to get one free audiobook a month. That's uh, including exclusive sales, 30% off all regularly priced audiobooks, and unlimited access to their cool new uh, channels content. And, uh, you know, channels, for what it's worth, that's where I go to listen to Elliot Kalin's excellent podcast, Presidents Are People Too. Got to check that out. You can choose from audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and yeah, business information providers. It's all in there. they got free apps for iPhone, iPad, Android, and Windows Phone. You can download and listen on an iOS device, Android, Amazon Fire Tablets, Windows Phone, Crime and Pete, it's everywhere. And unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own your books. You get the My Library functionality. You can access your books anytime, anywhere, right from your smartphone. And the great listen guarantee. If you didn't like it, you can just swap it. Nothing wrong with that. So again, please visit audible.com slash supertrain to start your trial and get your free audiobook today. Our thanks to Audible for supporting Roderick Online and all the great shows. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm, I'm listening to them through the wall and they're over there throwing stuff in it. I mean, I'm hearing clanks and bonks and throwing stuff in dumpsters. I don't know what's going on. But it's, it's, but it's, it's just to clarify for folks who haven't caught up, are we talking about the couple... 
who bought the house and yeah. let, let the lady continue to live there and presumably Gary and and they were they were kind of putting the arm on you to provide intel on what was happening over there. Well, right, and they weren't letting her do it. They were going and throwing, you know, they were pounding on the door. They were leaving uh, notes in on various colored paper. They were... Uh, <laughs> what, like, to say, like, hey, you've got to move? Yeah, not only that, but, like, legal... Oh, you know, like, put, like, like putting stickers on the door kind of stuff. Yeah, vacate these premises. Oh, no, I, I hate seeing that. And, you know, the first... I told you, the first day they, they came over was, like, day... The, Two days before Christmas, something like that. Oh God! Uh, and you know, I don't. I, I got nothing. I got no particular dog in the race. But I'm sitting here today thinking. Now wait a minute. Was that the Was that the last I'll ever see Gary? It It can't be. Like looking in my rearview mirror with Gary going like, truck, truck. Is that the? Is that <laughs> the like end? A, maybe he's like a dinosaur. Like we're like as long as you stand still, he can't see you. Uh, I think so. Well, you know, I started the truck, and it was the truck takes a while to warm up, and it has a very distinctive exhaust note, and so, and it's only at that point twenty feet from Gary, and it's like Gary has no doesn't notice it, does not notice I've climbed in and started my truck, didn't pick up on any of that, because he was standing by the moving van giving the movers some advice. He's a really he's a really helpful guy. He was. He was like, ah, one time from moving company. <laughs> ah. And uh, and so I just sat there warming up my truck. And my truck takes 12 minutes to warm up. And so I was just waiting for him to come over and knock on the window and say, rawr. Uh, <laughs> but he didn't notice it right until it was in motion. He had he has special eyes. He has special his, his, like, his tongue could feel the heat. <laughs> right. Okay. And uh but is that the last time? Is that is that? Are they gone now? You're never is really that? ready for these things. No, I didn't. I didn't. I was. I kept waiting for them to come over and knock on the door and either ask me for a screwdriver, or more likely say, "Can we store fifty boxes in your barn?" Like one or the other thing was going to happen. But no, they're just gone, and all of a sudden, I have these new neighbors. Oh no! That so I, it's really it's all done. As far as I can tell. <gasps> There would never be a situation where the two parties were in the house at the same time, right? The Washington State Cougar House Flippers, House Flipping Guild, uh, who are over there now are, you know, you can see by their body language that uh, the former tenants left some stuff. Mm-hmm. That they that the that the new owners don't want in the house. They're kind of walking around like, ugh. Right. Ugh. This. Uh, but... But I don't know. You know, am I going to get a am I going to get a call at some point to say like, oh, by the way, we moved out. I mean, you know what? There was at least one person in that house that I liked a lot. And yeah. She had a phone number. <clears throat> so anyway, it's a lot. It's a lot going on, and um, you know, I'm leaving, and so you were just out of town. Are you? Are you? I mean, so you're at yeah your house right now? No, 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 no. I'm at my uh, I'm at my deluxe office. Oh, okay, okay. With you in uh, in in uh, hi- quadraphonic hydroponic. You still got you got hydroponics, <laughs> and you still uh, you still got your internet running, which is nice. Yeah, it's nice to have internet. Nice to have internet, and so but then you're when is the cruise? It's pretty soon, right? Isn't it like coming up? Yeah, the cruise is coming up. Mm-hmm. Cruise is cr- coming up, and uh, and you know like uh, like in all things that you that you wait for all year, then when it arrives, you're like, oh god, do I have to do this? Huh. Yeah. But you know, but that's how I feel about everything. I mean, oh God, I, I under, believe me, I understand. I, 
I have become such a creature of habit where like I just to disrupt the idea of like even doing fun things is like, nope, hard pass. Thanks. Yep. I'm good. Yep. Yep. Hard pass. I'm going to go watch the OA again. I'm just going to have another night in, I believe. What is the OA? The OA is a Netflix series um, by starring Britt Marling, who's a very interesting actress and producer who uh, it's this, there's something mysterious that has happened with this woman. She gathers a group of people together. It's kind of a, it's a, it's a sci-fi-ish thriller. Supernatural this, thriller? Kind of supernatural. What I would say, I'll tell you what Syracuse told me. Go and watch the first episode and you'll get a, get a pretty good feel for it. Isn't that interesting how some shows uh, the advice is you have to watch a few episodes to oh, get it. Oh, Absolutely. And some of the shows, the advice is just go watch the first episode and you'll, and that'll explain it to you. Yeah. I mean, there's some times where, and I, you know, we can all agree on cheese. We can all agree or disagree about these things, but I think there are definitely some kinds of media properties where there's a good starting place where you could say to somebody, okay, and I do this a lot and I feel free to disagree with me people, but I'll frequently say like, okay, before you get real into this or get real invested or buy lots of things, go and watch this episode. It's not... What I'll frequently think or say is it's not the best episode. It's not my favorite episode, necessarily. But it's a really representative episode. It's a good representative episode. So, in other words, what I'm trying to give people is the opportunity to say, if I hate this episode, it's a really, just with TV, or I hate this particular comic, that's a pretty good uh, indication you're not going to warm up to it suddenly after watching Hmm. 17. Hmm. Hmm. You You know what I'm saying? Well, I know that you do that. You uh, you're often saying like this. You know, here's the song that that you should. This this song is the door to this band. This episode is the door to this to the the TV show. Yeah. I of course would always be somebody that was like must start at the beginning. That's, must that's, watch. The, yeah. That, I'm the definitely not like beginning. that. And I, I appreciate why people are. But like for example, like with uh, with band REM. Like, for example, uh, something like, what's it, now see, I'm not going to come up with a good example. Like, even though Reckoning is my favorite album, I could not tell you that that's the best place to start. I, right. I, I would be very open to someone saying even something like Life's Rich Pageant. That might be a better place to start. Well, if you listen to the Long Winters uh, catalog in the, uh, in the order that we presented them, right, the first song of the first album, mm-hmm. we intentionally made it totally not representative of the sound. We You're were a going pop hit. Um, it's, well, one the, the it's one of the great pop songs. Oh is, no, I'm what? sorry. Give me a moment. Is how it starts. In my head, yeah. it always starts with car parts. But well, right. I think that's how it. That, that's probably how it should have started. That's how a normal album. That's. I mean, it's how it feels. It starts because the first song is a six minute long, like tape loop, uh, like confusion party. We <laughs> threw two pianos down the stairs. Down the stairs. Um, <laughs> tape loop confusion party. That's what it is. Yeah, it's kind of. It reminds me in my head. I haven't listened to it in a few months, but in my head, it uh, it calls to mind Neil Young just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. not nothing that's aping it, but it's got that kind of like uh, kind yep. of sound. Yep. Yeah, that, you that, know what I mean by that noise. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I did not intentionally do that, but Neil Young's, you know, major influence on me and and uh, and that that kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. That's the feeling I was going for. Oh, okay, good good way to put it. 
but the uh, but and I think <clears throat> I think when you think about my influences as a as a fan of music, none of them are present in my own recorded music, but the feelings are. I hope, right? Oh, I'm always that really that, that provides a lot of clarity. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so yeah, but that you know that song was the one that we literally cut the two inch tape into into pretty tiny pieces and threw them up in the air and reassembled them. Wow, really. Tape. Huh. I never told you how that, we made that song. That's very European. If you if you look if you listen to the first minute of that tune, uh, Chris Wall and I sat with the two inch tape machine, and we made a a chalk mark on every kick and snare as the tape went over the head. You know, you go zoop, whoop, 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 Oh my gosh! And then find the little, find the hit. That is some old world craftsmanship. Yeah, it was. This was back back before computers, my friend. That's right. That's right. We'd make a little chalk mark there, and then we took razor blade and cut the tape into all these sections, which was every between every kick and snare section, and those sections of tape are you know, two feet long, probably, because the tape is moving so fast across the head. But then we had this whole pile, this spaghetti pile of tape um, that represented all these drum parts. And, and it had piano and everything on it. We threw them up in the air, arranged them completely chaotically, and then taped them all back together. <clears throat> and had no idea what it was going to sound like until we we press play, right? You put it all together, and it was like, "Hope this is cool." <laughs> and then it ran, it ran through, and it's the it's that whole, you know, it's like that was. I I kind of can't believe it was that chaotic because it it's really it really works. Yeah, and it, it yeah. doesn't work as like you know, Stockhausen or something. It doesn't work as like craziness. Like it works as like slightly menacing opening, sort of like a little bit like. Uh, Berlin David Bowie kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, it's Chris Walla. Why did I even say that? That was a dumb thing to say. Well, and what's interesting is that... Isn't he it, a giant fan of that? Yeah. Doing you know, the, like the you stuff know the with man. the mics with the delay and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you put the mic in the toilet and then you, you get this guy over the, here. And you put the rat in the toilet, see which one survives. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that a James Bond reference? <laughs> you, put, you, you, fill the, you fill the drum with rats. Fill the drum with rats. Put right. the mic. Put the drum inside the mic. Try that. For a <laughs> I thought he meant That's an oil an drum. I didn't know he meant a <laughs> snare. <laughs> oh, no, I expect Javier. you to die. I would like. No, I would like to see what Javier Bardem uh, would, would do producing your album. I think that would be a very interesting choice for you. I I would like it. I would like ha- Javier Bardem to do it, but I would like him to do it while he was learning a new language. Right. So oh. I would like a Stabian. I, I like this. Right, I would like the I would like to go to Iceland, and have an entire Icelandic studio where we find the five people in Iceland who are recording engineers, but also don't speak very good English. Okay, and this is going to take you're going to need some kind of like uh, producers, some second units to probably work out a lot of this. Yeah, because there are only three hundred thousand people in Iceland, and my sense is that two hundred and uh, two hundred and ninety nine thousand of them all speak English pretty well. Is it well. gnomes that they believe in? <clears throat> I believe they do believe in gnomes. Okay. Yes. Uh, we're not gnomes. Um, they, uh, so we'll get them there, and then Javier Bardem will be there, but he'll be learning Icelandic. Oh, this is so good. Right? So he'll be doing all of the production work. This is He's like not a uh, Kubrick's throwing tennis balls at Arlie Ermey. Like, let's That's really right. see what you can do here. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. Let's put the drum inside the mic. Let's not put the mic inside the drum. Mind blown. And he's going to be sitting there just like... He's sitting there with Google Translate going, (laughs) why is there no Icelandic in here? Yeah, going, uh, okay, friendo. And And I'm there trying to get my vision across, right? Yeah, but you're all performing and you're interacting on a much more pure level, unhindered by by languages. They call it the Sapir Wharf effect. It's it's uh, uh this is really t- early to mid two thousands indie rock talk right here. Yeah, nobody does this anymore. No, right? Everything's changed. Everything's computers now. Yeah, everything's computers. Get computer. an app. Okay, an so app. what was the phrase? Um, put the drum inside the microphone. Set your drum in the headroom. Uh, hmm. Is that is that how how it's said? Let me have the robot. Let me have the robot read it to you. Hang right, on let's hear this. Alexa. Do, do that again. Okay, hang on. Hmm. Sorry, I'm doing it through my headphone. Now imagine Javier Javier Bardem saying that. Sure, saying then, that. Then he takes out his teeth. <laughs> And, and then they uh, and then they look at each other uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. Uh, from underneath their little gnome hats, and then they <laughs> is that like a big red dunce cap? Uh, yeah, exactly. And then they run into their little earthen mound, and hey, I have a song. Work. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Ready? One, two, three. Would Would Bjork be involved? Bjork? Yeah, absolutely. She's the she's the governor general of Iceland. She lives in a house over there. <laughs> God, I love that. I love that song so much. See, now I need to equate myself with more Bjork. I've been I've been informed that it's Bjork, mm. not Bjork. I always said Bjork, and I'm told that that's wrong. Mm. Do you have a thought on this? Is it Bjork mm. or Bjork? Well, whenever I'm in Perry, mm. I like to think that I will take a trip to Deutschland. Yes. And I will... Oh, um, I see Nicaragua. And <laughs> I will meet with my friend uh, Helmut... And we will go to Roma, <laughs> take, Roma. A, take a train to Roma. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they had to, I, you they had know, to change the capital. It used to be called Gypsies, but it was considered Healy. offensive. They had to change Healy it to Roma. Hansen. Healy Healy Hansen. Healy Hansen. It's a Moog synthesizer, Mo- not a Moog. Oh, it looks, like it, looks right. like it says Moog because two O's together is ooh. In a lot of languages, let's be honest. Well, it's like a, one of the canonical double vowel sounds. Right. But but if you want to say, uh, it's egg, egg, egg. I'm not, I'm, you know what? I was about to say I'm not going to argue with you, but yeah. in fact, I will argue with you because I have been trying to figure out the right way to pronounce that for 25 years. And it isn't a question of the right way to pronounce it because it's been established that it's Moog. Yeah. The question is... How, what is the correct way to pronounce it in any given social situation? I think this is super interesting because it's really easy to find yourself looking like an asshole. And right. I think in this day and age, it's important to make, to pick your sides, make your decisions about when you want to be an asshole. Right. And, uh, and you know what I mean by an asshole. I, I mean oh, yes. somebody who's, who's frequently pointing out to you that you're pronouncing Nicaragua wrong or something yeah. like that. Right. Now, I had, well, I had a, you know the, the the world that in which we grew up, our educational world. Like, at what point did you start pronouncing Goethe like 
correctly slash. Uh, well, see, a, that's a great example a of, of the backspin. great example of the internet pronunciation problem, which we all are very familiar with. Where you could have somebody you run across something many, many, many times, and you've never had to actually say it out loud. Right. And we the never first time you say it, you, internet, internet pronunciation. I would have said this ghost. Was the dictionary. Or the, I would have uh, said it's ghost. I would have thought it was ghost. But then I went to sure. college and they said Goethe. Right. But that was long before the internet. That was your That's encyclopedia true. pronunciation That's problem. That's true. Right. Goth. The first time you're in college and you say, well, so are we re- reading Goth this uh, quarter? And then they're just this, this pile on. Oh, yeah. It's now not, now you're the other kind of goof. asshole. Right. But, the, but there's Goethe and then there's Get the or there's like the there, then you put the real like if you're if if your professor has written a book in German you want to put some mustard on that sausage. Goethe, Goethe, but you know the umlaut trick. I told you the umlaut trick, right? You 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 pronounce you pronounce the vowel like you normally would. Well, let's say let's say okay, let's say you want to say möchte, ich möchte. You make an O. You say an O, but you make your mouth in the shape of an E while you're pronouncing the O. Try this and see if your mind's blown. You can't do it. You can't do it. You got the wrong shape mouth. That's a nice that's a nice trick. Yeah. Yeah, no, not, my mouth is, the asshole. My mouth is just, <laughs> just made to say ooh, ooh for the longest time. Oh, oh, oh. E- 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 that's that's where it is. They're doing the they're doing the umlaut. Hey. Hey. Oh, hey. you're right. No, they're not. Um, but the, but so the, so moog moog. It, it like it's a question of if you're if I'm standing in a room with a bunch of Icelandic music producers. Yep. Of course I'm and, saying and Javier moog. and Javier Bardem. Yeah, I'm not going to get chased out of there. Uh, but if I'm standing in a group of lay people who will have no idea what I'm talking about because everyone in the world says moog when they look at a thing that says moog. You know, where did, where's the balance? You don't want to say like, okay, it's, well, so I was playing a Moog, and then the one person in yes. the room who took class at the Art Institute right. is like, uh, I think it's called Moog. I, and then look, like, it's, this is this is problem. This is the problem with becoming an asshole. Is like, yeah. the, first of all, the, the person who is really, really excited to learn, it's, this is, this is a, a total interpersonal turns out. Like, when you discover that something is pronounced a certain way, okay, there's a, there's a really good, I think extremely good, time travel movie uh, called Primer. And it's this very low-budget film that this guy put out. It's fantastic. But the thing is, you might not even have recognized what I just said, because everybody in the world calls it Primer. Right. When it was put out, the director called the movie Primer. But guess what happened? Everybody in the world pronounced it Primer, so now even he has to pronounce it Primer, or he's going to look like an asshole. Right. It's not Primer, it's Primer. Now, the people in the interpersonal turns-out culture who are so excited to have a new way to correct strangers, they are going to be the last person on the fucking planet to realize that they're the asshole. And so mm-hmm. sometimes, and so then what do you do? You're in, a, you're in a room with a bunch of little kids with a synthesizer, and you go, oh, have you checked out the Moog? And the little kids go, I know how to read. That says Moog. And you say, well, actually, it's pronounced Moog. But here's the thing. If it was you, a guy's name. It, it was a guy's name. Yes. And say his that- name. Say his name. Say my name. And so then, love. Here's the thing. Maybe here's the problem. You know, you know, music teachers, right? This is going to be the worst. So if you did try to say, "Oh, that's right, that's a Moog synthesizer," guess what's going to happen? <clears throat> well, uh, actually, <laughs> and now the music teacher is going to be an asshole and say it's pronounced Moog, and you got you just got double turns out. 
because because the problem is right that there's a there there's another thing in play here, which is we're back to the um, we're back to that guy in Ithaca who said. I never try to speak to people in their own dialect. I just talk the way that I talk, and they come to me. Oh, right. The guy you right. met, and this is, he was, oh, God, this goes back to maybe the Super Train episode. This is the guy, and you would, you would, you had a, like a, you had a little patois where you would, you yeah. meet somebody from New Orleans and you start talking about guarantee, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. I thought I was. Shuck and jive in a patois. I was thinking that I was uh, that I was blending in, that right. I was getting along better. You're going to help these simple people be more comfortable <laughs> well, with their provincialisms. Like, I did not have a lot of um, I didn't have a lot of firsthand experience with 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 like dialect, right? Or like you know, you grow up in Alaska and everybody speaks like they're from Oklahoma. But, I, but I'm sorry, uh, I have to ask you. Please tell me that's coffee. Uh, yes. Okay. Good. Did you think that I? Did you think that after? 300 episodes of this show that I had finally gotten to a point where I was just going to pee in the show. Oh, well, like, I do it all the time, but I mute. But now, now I'm going to open my seltzer, too. You know, I don't have a... I don't have a oh, I do have a mute button. Uh, I keep forgetting that I have it. Yes, you do. Um, no, I'm making coffee, and uh, and I'm making... Oh, my God, it's this terrible, terrible stuff. I, uh, my, 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 my world is all upside down, and I'm actually using these weird little Nescafe packets. Oh, no, did you run out of free coffee again? Yeah, well, it's not that I ran out of it. It's that I don't want to deal with it. You have to grind it. Oh no, it's not that. It's just that I don't want to. I don't want to clean clean up after it. Oh, I hear that. We got That's a new my... grinder. I'm very happy with. You have to tell me about it. Is it a burr grinder? Mm-hmm. Gotta... <laughs> Shit, dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, fucking so the, monster. But, of course, it's a burr grinder. The, the problem <laughs> with the Moog problem is if you say Moog because you think that you're helping people that that uh, you don't want to ha- sit and have a lengthy explanation. Uh, it's the poverty of diminished expectations. Yeah, and then somebody's like, uh, actually, it's Moog. So, then you are put in a very awkward position of saying, oh, well, I was saying it dumb because I thought you were dumb. <laughs> and, that right. is, and then you right. really are like, then the crosshairs are on you because, huh, that actually doesn't, that's not as good sounding as you thought it sounded at first. You're not helping anybody. You're just, you're just, you're just an asshole. Yeah, you're just con- you're maybe you're still not confident that it's Moog. Somebody asked me the other day, is it Porsche or Porsche? And I was like, oh fuck, you know, you're now I'm ten years old again, and I'm trying to say like I think it's Porsche, but I'm pretty sure it's Porsche. I've been saying Porsche for a long time, but I did once upon a time say Porsche, and now you've you've sowed that tiny bit of doubt in my head again. Oh like, no, obviously the Germans say Porsche. It is a por- it's. But E.B. Like, White would say, try to rewrite the sentence without using the word. <laughs> if you don't know what it means, if you have to look it up, use a different word. <laughs> yeah, use a different word. I, mean, I, you know, German, I was a fan German of say, like uh, like Frankenreich, too. So that's I, was a, not, I was a fan of the uh, athletic uh, wear and shoe company from Portland with the swoosh. Oh, the I would, Nike? Well, I was a, I was a fan. I was a wearer. I, I you like Nike, didn't you? I called them Nikes until ninth grade. Wait, I called them no. Nikes. So you know, you had to figure out what side you were on. Which side are you on, boy? Which side are you on? Are you going to be a Nike person? Are you going to be an Adidas person? Are you going to be an OP person, or are you going to be a lightning bolt person? I was a lightning bolt person, and I was a Nike person. I don't even know what a lightning bolt is. Lightning bolt shirts, OP shirts. Lightning bolt shirts. Lightning bolt shirts. And am I am I having a stroke? Uh, there was a it's a surfy shirt. It's a shirt surfy shirt that was popular in the early eighties. Uh, 
Lightning Bolt? Is that oh. the name of the brand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never heard of this? Interesting. Lightning because I'm, you know, Bolt. I'm from the West, right? We uh, is this some kind of East Coast uh, surfwear? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Uh, Lightning Bolt. I mean, oh yeah, look at that in the big bolt. Oh, look at that. There's uh, a there are a lot of um, there are a lot of things uh, growing up in the West that I was very surprised to discover there was an East Coast version of Hellman's and Best. Uh, well, that for sure. But Hardee's and was it Carl's Jr. and Hardee's? Well, one? no, it wasn't so much that stuff. It was uh, the the two things that really surprised me were East Coast surf culture mm-hmm. because my brain just couldn't wrap around the the idea that there was an East that there was any kind of surfing on the East Coast, and I still don't be- really believe it. I mean, I've seen people do it, but it just feels like. Um, I don't know. It, it, it feels seems like, a little cute. It yeah, seems like little, something you're doing to prove a point. It's a little Jamaican bobsled team, you know. Like <laughs> I feel like very Olympic today. Like what the hell are you guys doing? This is, this is not. This isn't. A, these aren't surfable waves. And I'm not even a surfer. I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it from a place of like, dude, bro, that's not even a wave. I'm saying like that's yeah. just not. This isn't your culture at all. It was. It was invented. A long way from here, and and it does. Yeah, it feels like uh, I remember in. I'm Anchor, trying to avoid using the word Western because Western seems a little bit America centric. I would say surfing feels like what I will call a Pacific. A Pacific. Thing. That's precisely right. Yeah. It, I I went back to Anchorage in 1991 or something. I went to a bar, and there were a bunch of guys standing around with chain wallets and uh, loser shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, like beanie hats and. And I was like, you guys, this isn't from here. Don't do that. Chain yeah. wall. Don't, don't. You're not grunge. That's, you know, this is not, it's, it didn't import like that. But, of course, at that point, it was, that was happening all around the world, right? There were people in Miami that were walking around with that look. What a weird. Oh, yeah. I remember when it first arrived in Florida, a friend of mine started wearing a, a, what I would then call a trucker wallet. And I was like... I think he maybe lived in, been to New York or lived in New York. And I was like, it, it seemed so peculiar to me. It's, yeah. It seemed like one of those affectations, like suddenly getting into macrame, where you're like, mm, you sure that's the, where you want to go with this? Uh, the first time I saw a trucker wallet, though, it was absolutely uh, the the province, and I'm talking about in the in the 70s. Yeah. Uh, they, it totally represented like Smokey and the Bandit Land. Oh, it's, it's, uh, there's a reason it's called a trucker. Every trucker had that wallet. That's right. But then by the time the 90s came around, there was it was pure ironic trucker wallet. Like what, what, what I are had you a, keeping in there? Like earplugs and your vape pen? Like what are you, what are you doing with that? You I did it because you would carry a huge amount of cash plus the currencies of the world. Currencies of the world. That's yeah. right. And every and every ticket stub that I the, for every show that I ever <laughs> went. But I, you know, that my first trucker wallet, in fact, my the trucker wallet that that was with me for 95% of my trucker wallet years was a trucker wallet that I'd been given by my brother Bartley um, in about 1980. And oh, really? It, was, it had been his, and it had, it would, it had hand-tooled leather, and it was it had already been really like... Um, like broken in? Really broken in, and the leather was that color of kind of like uh, almost caramel... Um, it wasn't like a light leather, but the but the tanning had been worn off of it for so long that it was oh, wow. this, this shade of like like a pair of well worn boots. And he gave it to me in 1980. And even then, 
I was only 12 and I looked at it and was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm, I'm like, uh, going to college and stuff. Mm -hmm. So why would I want this piece of white trash ephemera? Right. Like this is just, what is this? (laughs) It's like giving somebody one of your coal mining tools. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, oh, was this the pulley that you used to get the donkeys to pull the stumps out of the out of the Son, I get the feeling you're going to be a lifetime renter. I don't. I don't want. <laughs> Here's my pick. Yeah, I don't have a. I don't have a CDL. Like, I don't need this. I'm going to go to college. I'm taking French 101 in college. Give me dark. <laughs> He's like, son, I wanted you to have my old bridle. <laughs> so, but this, I this is my father's buggy whip case. <laughs> it's my buggy whip case. I never, yeah, uh, or or worse, it wasn't even like a practical thing. It was like he handed me his Shriners fez, <laughs> right? So, something that was just like it denoted a just a subculture I was never going to join. But, but I another, never another one of those just baffling male rituals where you're like, what is this? You know, this is my penis pump. It was my grandfather's <laughs> penis pump. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, here you go, son. It's a it's a Western style, you know, like cowboy Western style purse on a chain. Right. And here you go. It like, looks, here- I mean, when I we've so somebody who's just seen them for the first time in probably the seventies, you'd think like, well, that's a really big checkbook. It, it kind of looked like yeah. a checkbook. Yeah, yeah, like a like a like yeah, check a purse checkbook. Yeah, like, or, Bart, or what a lady might call a clutch. Bar, a clutch, that's right. Except it's on a chain. Yeah. And Bart had uh, Bart had carried this thing through all of his trucker years. Gave it to me, and it sat in a drawer for, I guess, what seemed like an eternity, but it was really only ten years because I got it like in early eighties, and I and by the early nineties. Um, oh, right. Very, 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 very early, early on in grunge times, um, I was like, huh, I have one of those. And I went and dug it out of a drawer and was like, look at that. Doesn't look so stupid to me now. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I had the, I had like not a trucker wallet that I had just recently purchased. I had a trucker wallet that looked like it had been with me forever. Boy, talk and, about a score. Right, and then it continued to be with me. I mean, that thing lasted all the way through my trucker wallet years, way past when everybody else was like, "Well, that's not what we're wearing anymore." Do you remember there was a there was a period where trucker wallets turned into giant chains that people were wearing all the way around their like Ken Stringfellow on one of our tours <laughs> wore a chain uh, that like connected to his vest like a watch fob. <laughs> But, but it he's was like a, he's a walking F.W. Murnau movie. I mean, he's just so, so like not exactly. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> right, exactly. right, right. But it was the it was the width of like a like one of those old chains that you would use to to uh, chain your bicycle to the student union. Oh, like you know, the big heavy gauge links. Heavy gauge thing, but it, but he's ru- it's running from his like the center of his belt buckle all so the it way. Sounds like, it sounds like it looks back. like he made it at home. Like the time I tried to make clove cigarettes by taking apart my mom's Winston's and putting clove dust, in <laughs> putting it. cloves in them. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't work. Uh, doesn't work. Uh, yeah, it was, and it ha- hung down around his knee, and I was like, uh, first of all, Ken, it's 2002. Like nobody's. I mean, the only people that are rocking this now are the people with really big leg jeans, and. Yeah. Like and who have pacifiers around their necks. Like this is not a look 
that's that's rock that you're rocking. And but even then, I still had a, I still had my chain wallet. I mean, it didn't have a big long chain; it had a short chain. Yeah, but that chain wallet saved my ass. A dignified saved chain. My, Saved my ass a couple of times. It also fucked me up a couple of times. Oh yeah, give me one of each. Uh, what, well, do you really, what do you really remember when you go back? You and you and uh, you and uh, the wallet go back. What, what do you think of as like your highlights reel? Well, the two the two big problems were um, that the wallet had so much stuff in it, so much money and so many ticket stubs and so many currencies of the world that uh, driving for eight hours a day in the van across this great nation of ours, I started to develop back problems because I was sitting on. I'm avoiding a giant- making the George Costanza joke here, but this is really true. You actually, yep. oh my god, I, I I was sitting on a giant super hard leather pillow on one <laughs> butt cheek and <laughs> hello my, germany <laughs> my spine was compensating for it and i was always like ah God, oh, of course back. you're like a, that's a chiropractic nightmare like you're making yourself be off kilter it's like yeah, developing it, a limp on purpose it was awful and so then i started as i when i realized it i started driving and i would pull my wallet out and kind of sit it on the back of the of the van seat while I drove, but invariably I would forget that I had done it. So we'd pull up into a gas station. I'd put it in park. I'd say, all right, guys, you know, 20 minutes, get your hot case and I'm going to fill it up. And I'd step out of the van and this wallet would swing on its chain. Like, <laughs> like, like a, like a, uh, a ball, like a cannonball. Well, it must've weighed like, like a pound. And it did. And so I'm in, like, I'm in, a, I'm at some, like one of those heavy duty truck stops that's like out there somewhere in West Texas or whatever, like a truck stop where the 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 the, the degree of truckerness is high. Like one of the I don't know if you've ever heard of the truck stop that has a bunch of white tigers, like literally living tigers <laughs> oh, in very small cages, just on a cement slab right behind the gas station. And you go and it's like Tiger gas station. And you go around there and there's like five live tigers just in cages just with the sun beating down on them and you're like how is this legal how I, how is this possible and you like it's it, like you walk you walk away from that truck stop like something's deeply wrong with the world something how did this how did this awful 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 person out here in the middle of nowhere get five tigers yeah, who does how that do you, how do you do that and if you wanted five tigers wouldn't you want to wouldn't it be because you love tigers is it just that the guy got five tigers in order to get people to it's come to his It's probably a gas? real pain in the ass to get some tigers, and it seems like if you Terrible. if you they're probably it's it's costly and it's difficult, and it seems like you'd want to maybe take care of them. You you yeah, want you feeding them Alpo? Yeah, no, that's no good. And and also you're not trying to derive traffic to this truck stop. There's no other place to get gas for up for 400 miles. Yeah, like this doesn't have to be an attraction. But so I would pull up to these type of truck stops where everybody else there was like cutting speed on the dashboard of their truck. They all they all had killed a prostitute at least once in their lives. And I jump out of the, the van and my wallet swings. And half the time, by that point, the snaps didn't always work. And so my wallet swings out on the, on the biggest, like, sort of uh, swinging on a vine that it could do and throws all of my ID and all oh, of my money no. and all, just out across the pavement into the wind. And I'm just like, howdy, fellas. Hey, just uh, me, just me old guy over here with my, with my long hair. You know, and Sean steps out in a top hat and I'm like, oh, dead. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> but so that was, th- those were a couple of times when it really like screwed me over. But there was one particular time where, where it truly, truly, truly 
the, all the years that I wore that wallet on a chain, it, it really paid for itself. And it was, I was on my walk across Europe and I was in Southern Romania. I had made it across the Carpathians. I felt like I was on the downhill slope. Mm-hmm. I was, I was headed to Craiova. I was almost to the Danube and I had this because I did not understand anything about the geography of Bulgaria, I did not understand that there were also mountains in Bulgaria, that I was not, I wasn't just coming down to the Danube and get on a Huckfin raft and be in Istanbul. I was going to go across this river, and then I had a whole other crazy country to go across before I got to the, the next crazy country. But wow. I'm in Romania, and I'm like, uh, you know, Romania had been such a, challenge for me it was like so hard uh to travel in this this fantastic country but but just like it had thrown me for a loop every single day threw me for a new loop and i was out it was super hot i was down in that sort of southern uh mountain runoff country and i was and i found a little bench on the side of the road and i sat on this bench it was the middle of the day, and I was eating a hard-boiled egg and and just, like, resting my feet for a little bit. And these two little girls come along the road, and one of them is eight, and one of them is six. And they see me on the bench, and they're they're very curious, and, and you know, and not at all shy. And there's nobody in that country that I met that was especially shy. But they're not shy, and they come over, and they're standing a respectful distance from me. But they're like, hi, who are you? What are you doing? And I'm like, hi, I'm an American, and I'm walking uh, down the road. And they're like, interesting, interesting. And they're, you know, and, and we're flirting, and they're, you know, and they're asking me questions about my bag and about my boots. And they're in their little... um you know, uh, sort of chintz fabric skirts with, you know, kind of knees torn leggings and some, you know, they're like, they're pretty uh, picturesque as like... uh, Almost costumed. Almost costumed. And I'm talking to them and I'm I'm like, oh, would you like a little bit of... I had some kind of little... uh, I mean, there wasn't a lot of like snack food or stuff, and I did, and I don't think I held out my egg, but I was like, "Oh, do you want some peanuts or something?" I had some little nuts or something that I could give them, and they were like, "Yeah, sure, you know, take the nuts." And then all of a sudden, the six-year-old, the smaller one, be- oh, because I was sitting there and I had my wallet sitting on the bench next to me. <gasps> Because I'd been going Uh-oh. through, the six-year-old grabs it and runs. <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> for uh, for like exactly two feet. And then it yanks back out of her hand. And just because of the, because of the, the angle of her arm or whatever, it yanks back and just lands right back where it was on the bench. Oh, wow. You couldn't ask for that to go better. And they both, and the, the and the big one was also like as soon as the little one had her hand on the wallet, they both sprinted. Mm-hmm. And so now they're standing. So it sounds like they've done this before. <laughs> this is not a new trick, but right? Now they're standing ten feet away from me, and I'm still sitting on the bench, still with the hard boiled egg, still with the wallet next to me there, and they're both looking at me like I had, like I 
had done a kind of sorcery that they had, you know, because they you're are. Like the, you're like a, a Hong Kong, like like a kung fu movie guy, just like stroking your mustache, like mm-hmm, yeah. that's right, I did that. That's right. <laughs> that and just happened. <laughs> you know, like this is their this is their normal game. Like they're little burglars, and for all I know, their brother or their dad was like right around the corner or 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 watching from the weeds or something. But this was this was not their first rodeo, and they both got these huge smiles on their face and these you know like when wow. you, when it, whenever you see a six-year-old girl with a really knowing look yeah where she was just like well played mm. this time, this time. <laughs> and, and, and i was like yeah